media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. Open your Bibles to Deuteronomy 30. That's in the Old Testament. You know, okay, man, where, yeah, this is going to be some good preaching about parenting and, uh, you know, kids. We're going to Old Testament. And uh, we're starting there. We're going to be using a lot of New Testament this morning. Uh, one of the things, that I've shared this with you before, but it's, it points repeating when we're about to start four weeks of uh, kind of a parenting uh, series. And that is, whenever I would start marriage counseling, you know, pre-marriage counseling, uh, one of the first truths that we get out in session number one is realize that you are a sinner marrying a sinner. And that's really the kind of the, the foundation to the whole rest of the five or six lessons is that once you get that understanding of your sinfulness and, and even this person that you love and you think, oh, they really don't sin. Yes, they do. And you'll find that out in marriage. And you really find that out even before that. Well, one of the things that the reason I bring that up this morning is because in parenting, that's also a truth. The, the, the very beginning of understanding anything about this heavy responsibility of parenting is that we are sinners trying to influence other sinners. I mean, it really is, it, it's one of those things that's kind of like, okay, God, how does, how is this even going to work out? And yet we begin to see his grace. We begin to see the power of his truth. We begin to see the instruction of his word and he brings hope to our life. I would imagine this morning uh, that, that we have people from, from every aspect in our young couples class, uh, young families class, uh, I mean, just last week, or I guess, yeah, last week, they were over at the house, and, you know, three of them are really due at any point in time in the next couple weeks. And so it's, you know, we've, we've got that portion of our church, but we also have, a lot of you are parents uh, and grandparents, maybe even one or two great-grandparents. And so we've kind of, this whole gamut, I love that about our church, is that we have a, a lot of different age groups, and, and yet... Please hear in the next four weeks two things. Number one, I can't step away from the fact that now I'm a grandparent. And so there's going to be a lot of things that I'm going to say that's like, yeah, that old fogey, you know. He's going to say, back in my day, you know, there, there may be a little bit of that that comes out. But please understand that there is this pastoral part, this desire for me, for us just to live the gospel out well. And to give the gospel hope and the gospel encouragement to be lights for Jesus Christ in the coming generations. Having been through the direct parenting part with our two girls, I look back, I'm going, to thank God for God's grace and thank God for Carly. I mean, I really honestly say that. I'm not trying to be funny because I'm going, man, there's times that I did this law part, but I didn't do the grace part. I did the instruction part, but I never brought the hope of the gospel into it. And maybe that's where you are this morning. I mean, bottom line, choices and consequences, that's a timeless truth. In fact, there's two parts I really want to focus on throughout this whole series. These truths are timeless and that they have been God's instructions from the very beginning and, and from the very first family, but they're also timely because we live in an environment, we live in a culture, and we live in a day in a world, folks, where this is not just going to be common instruction anymore. I don't know that it was when I was growing up. 
I don't know if I would have asked my grandparents if it would have been that way. Just common thought. Maybe because of that being that older guy, I can say, yeah, but back in my day, it was a lot more there than it is now. Folks, we're going to be able to do that until Christ comes back, okay? This little compare and contrast. The, the, the bottom line is, would you agree that something like choices have consequences is both timeless and timely? And so that opens our mind. And so, okay, whether we're the parent, the expectant parent, the, the grandparent, the great-grandparent, whether we're, and not just from this way, but, but going up for, for all the students that are here, for all of our kids, realizing that you have sinners as parents. I was expecting at least one amen right there, but, but I understand, I understand. It was under your breath, amen. How does this work out, guys, when, when we have brokenness on both sides? The grace of God, the power of God, and I pray that that's what we will learn in the weeks to come. Again, let me just go over real quick the, what, what we're going to be looking at in the next four weeks. Uh, the, the choices and consequences today, timeless and timely. Respecting authority. The Bible speaks, speaks not just in the Old Testament, but very much in the New Testament. What does it mean to live out the gospel life when I have to go to work and I have a boss? Or I live in a country and there's a president or a leader and there's this, that, and the other. All throughout the New Testament, not just the Old Testament, we're given instruction, not just for the sake of morality, but for sanctification. How do we really reflect the gospel when we go to work? Dealing with suffering. Again, we hate that fact that our kids are going to suffer, but how many of you have already had to face the reality that there's going to be times in your lives that your kids are going to have to deal with suffering? Are we teaching them to deal with this suffering, whether they caused it or whether it just came upon them? How do they do that with grace, hope, and encouragement of the gospel? And then the last one, how it's not all about me. If you're a student here, if you're a young person, that is not directed just at you. That's every one of us. How do we live in a world that has said all the focus is on us? We are the most important person in this little circle. And we really truly have a gospel perspective to lay down our life and to live it for Christ. How do we do that? And yet not come under the burden of the law. That's the really hard thing for me theologically. Because I can go to Romans 6 and 7 and say, man, we're not under the law anymore. And we're not, positionally and theologically. And yet at the same time, there are some laws of life. Not the, the law, the commandments. There's some laws of life that are going to be enforced until Christ comes back. And, and you don't have to agree with that. I hope that you would because I think it's wise for us to realize that choices have consequences. Old Testament, New Testament. So how do we live that out? This morning as we begin to look at it, one of the first things that we can begin to see is the moral component of that, of, of sowing and reaping. How many of you have ever heard the term sowing and reaping? That you reap what you sow. Is that found in the Old Testament or the New Testament? Thank you. Both. It's actually there in both. And we'll, we'll see that a little bit later on. There is a moral aspect to that. There certainly is a moral that if I make the wrong choice... There's a consequence, and that consequence could be quite detrimental to my life. I go to rob a bank, and if the consequence is they catch me and they throw me in jail, I made this choice, here's the consequence. 
So on a moral perspective, we get this. But I want to add through this series the sanctification kind of element too. That it is morality. There's a part of it that is moral law. But there's a part of all these different principles that we'll look at the next four weeks that really have an aspect of how do gospel-centered people, Christ-centered people, depending on his grace and his grace alone, we could never work and our works would not amount to any part of our our salvation. How do we live now in the light of this hope of Christ? Several men uh, right now are in John 15. Some of our discipleship groups are in John 15 and and we're going verse by verse and we saw that even just a couple of weeks ago, John 15, 10, 11. Look at the connection, guys. Look at the connection that Christ makes. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide or remain in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Obedience. What, for salvation? No, he's not talking about it. We can only be saved by what he's done. But what's the, what is the direction that he's heading us to that as we follow his commands, as we live out the Christ life, he said, in the same way that I was obedient to my heavenly father and it brought joy to my life, I want you to live out this. Folks, we truly, as Christians, if, if you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, we should be the most joyful people on earth. We may not always be the happiest people. We certainly may not always be the, you know, what we think is the smartest or the, the, the this, that, or the other. But we should be the most joyful people on earth. Because even in those times of suffering, then we can say, okay, God, you have purpose in this. That's really hard to do when you're suffering. And again, I don't want to get three weeks ahead, but so, so that's what we're going to look at this morning. And we're not saved in no context this morning are we saved by right choices, by your works. Or say by grace and the work of Christ. So let's please just kind of put that over here to the side, okay? Now that we've got that theologically settled, now can we say that we want to raise our children to, to make wise choices and to understand that with choices, both wise and unwise, there's consequences. Would you be able to agree this morning, even as gospel-centered people, that that's a truth that is both timely and timeless. With that mindset, let's begin to look. Deuteronomy chapter 30. The setting is the passage is near the end of Moses' life. Moses knows that he's going to die, perhaps in hours, days, weeks, and he's making kind of a final address uh, to the people. He's led these people for 40 plus years. He's led them through the uh, disobedience in uh, as they wandered through the desert in the wilderness. Uh, and yet he's pointing out that God, has, by his grace, has kept them uh, fed, clothed, and safe. Okay, 40 years in a desert. And yet clothes did not wear out. They had food, manna. They complained that it was the same old thing day after day. And yet did God graciously, even though they were sinful and they had made wrong choices, did God's grace Come and give them life in the substance of life. So we begin to see that. And he begins to talk about that. Now they're ready to enter the promised land. Moses isn't going to be there. And it's kind of like what we saw last week in John 14 when Jesus says, I'm going to go. <laughs> and all of a sudden the disciples, what did they do? They freaked out. Oh, whoa, 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 wait, you're our leader. You've got to be with us. Can you imagine having gone 40 years wandering in the wilderness? 
an elder leader, the one who's kind of God has used to lead you through that, says, uh, by the way, I'm not going to be there. He's about to, you know, Joshua's going to come in there and be the new leader and lead them in the promised land. But before Moses died, he says, he gives some careful instructions to, to the people. And we can only imagine the weight of these words in his final address as he begins to, uh, to lead them through these 40, through 40 years, thick and thin, and, and now he uh, gives them the final address. And what does he say? Let me simplify. Life is filled with choices. You're probably looking right now, where does it say? No, Bobby's paraphrasing. This is the, the, the overall thing that he says. Life is filled with choices. Look at verse 11. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. In other words, he says, you don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. You don't have to be a medical doctor. You don't have to have somebody who just really is really intelligent to grasp this. He said, the commandment that I'm about to give you, the commandment that I give to you, is not too far off. Now look what he says in verse 12 and 14. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us, that we might hear and do it. Verse 13. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over here in the other sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear and do it. No, he explains in verse 14, but the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. Do you, do you understand the, the logic that he's using? I'm about to pronounce to you a truth, a biblical truth, a godly truth. But, but you don't have to go to heaven to get this. God has made it part of your understanding. This isn't far off from you. I mean, at what point in time, guys, did it really kick in in your own life? Not so much parenting, but just in your own life, that choices bring about consequences. Hopefully that happened really early on in life. Forty years of counseling families and and trying to love on families and direct families and, and help families besides the gospel... I would put this probably as the number two life lesson that we need to make sure that we're instructing our kids. And sometimes it's going to go against our nature. Like the suffering one. I, I don't know too many parents that say, yeah, I just want my kids to suffer. I mean, I found one or two, but not too many. And, but most of them say, I mean, I want to save them from suffering. And, and yet there's, is there value in scraped knees? Yes, there is. And you don't go too fast on that on that bike. You know, you're just learning to ride it. And she's doing wheelies and she's jumping over caverns and then falls. Well, honey, <laughs> I told you be careful. And all of a sudden, there's another choice that's made that's not careful and there's consequences. Uh, Moses said, the commandment that I give you today is not, you don't have to go to the heavens to get this. You don't have to go across the sea. This isn't some kind of eastern kind of meditative thing that you have to do to get this knowledge. This is, to use my vernacular, this is almost common sense. But it's biblical sense. And so what is it that he said that was going to be so easy to understand? Look at verse 15. See, I've set before you today life and good, death and evil. 
Moses is telling them that life is full of choices and that choices can lead us in different directions, sometimes boldly two different directions. He uses the words, Moses' words, life and good, death and evil. What's the first word of that verse? C. Charles Spurgeon said that it was one of his favorite biblical words because he said it, when God says see in his word, he's going, he invites, God invites us in to see truth. See, I've set before you. He's inviting us in. He's going, this is biblical truth and, and I invite you, whether you're a parent or, or you're the child, whether you're the grandparent, whether you don't have children, whether, no matter, I invite you to end. Here's the truth. Choices have consequences. Choices lead us in different directions in our lives. And as parents, one of the great responsibilities that we have is to teach this to our children and teach it early and teach it often. But to get this, guys, get this. Don't miss this. To invite our children in. That we, like God said here, see, here's this. But most of the time, most of my instruction to my kids, just being open with you, was telling them the after effects of this truth. See? That's a little bit different than, hey, I invite you in to see that this is a truth of life. Would you, would you, would you agree with that? That there's two different ways you can see. See, I told you you were going to wreck the car if you did that. That was usually the scene that I invited my children into, and I'm not proud of it. Only God's grace, they turned out halfway unwarped by all that. But, but do you see the C here? Is it a C, or is it an inv- invitation? That's why Spurgeon and, and others throughout history have loved this. For a while, we will make the majority of our choices for our kids. I mean, at different times, when they're two, they start making a little bit more. At four, they make a little bit more. At six and eight, they make a little bit more. At 16, they make a whole bunch more because usually they have a driver's license and they have some freedom that they didn't have at 14. And all of a sudden, this ever-expanding choices that come about in their life, let's be honest, it's the scariest thing ever for a parent. I talked to parents who tried to do every single thing right and, and teach these foundational principles and still to release our children into a world full of choices and consequences is hard, guys. And so that's why God gives us instruction here. And he doesn't make it so difficult. We don't have to go to the heavens to get this. We don't have to go across the seas. He says, this is almost just, it makes so much sense that it's right there internal to us. One of the scariest days of our lives. And I'm not trying to... uh, When we drop them off for college, you question everything you've ever done. Please understand that's natural. That day's going to come. If you've done an A++++ job, that's going to come with the territory. Why? Because this that we love so much, this one that we just would do anything for, now is out there. And the boldness of this truth is 
But we're not without hope, and we're not out without direction, guys. And you don't have to wait till they're 18 or 19. We can start to experience some of these things when they're two and four and, and six months and all that. But we're going to start off making the majority of the, the choices, and little by little, they're going to make more and more. And it's the second part is, as Moses would go on in verse 16, that, that we begin to see that choices are filled with consequences. Look, look at the wording that he put here. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, you shall live and multiply and the Lord God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Now again, what did we already put over here to the side theologically? Can we earn by our right choices God's salvation? No. Say by grace, grace alone. So he's not saying, okay, if you make all the right choices, man, he's going to bless you with salvation. He's going to bless you. No, he's making the connection that right choices and correct and wise choices lead to things that we could refer to as life. Blessing. But he also says that we can make choices in our life that can lead to death and evil. He's not talking just about physical death there. He's, he's talking very much about just you know death of the spirit and death of, of the hope of the future and all those different things. But Moses did not hesitate them to tell them what would happen if they chose wisely, if they directed following God's commands, and, and they lived a life, and they made choices based upon his direction. Look at verse 17 and 18. But if your heart turns, uh, I'm sorry, if they uh, did not choose wisely, but if your hearts turn away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you will surely perish. Now, does he say they're going to drop over dead? Is that what he means? No, just there's not life in that. You shall not live long in the land, and you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. Now, it does have a little bit of that connotation that, okay, you're not going to take over this land, okay? So it did have a little bit more of physical peril than maybe our kids are going to have. But do you see what he's putting before him? Life is full of choices, and choices have consequences. Moses' words may seem a little harsh, he doesn't apologize for him. Moses is full aware. I mean, he's dealt with these people for 40 years of their tendency to water down the truths and the consequences of choices. And he wanted to make sure that the Israelites knew full well that our choices have definite impact and definite consequences in our life. I mean, look at verse 19. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. He actually uses a legal term here when he says, I call heaven and earth to witness. That was what you would use in a, a court of law. This is a, a legal term. And he's, what he's saying is, I'm calling witnesses in because this law is true. And he's trying to establish that. Parents, if you're going to leave your kids to maturity in life, then we have to make sure that we impress upon them the stark reality of different consequences depending on different choices. This will often mean that they will have to stop playing with a certain child. 
may mean that they have to give up this or, or give that up. Please do not hear legalism in here. I'm not a legalist. But folks, let's not apologize. There are things in our children's lives that are out there now that can bring life or can bring death. Would we agree on that? That in our culture today, that there are things that have access, that they have access to, even from an early age, that are going to bring life and vibrancy and hope and godliness. And there are things that are going to bring death and destruction. And kill their spirit and kill their hope and kill their faith. Yeah, Pastor, that's all Old Testament. That's the Old Covenant. I'm under the New Covenant. In Romans 6 through 8, guys, just a, a little sign. When he says that we're not under the law anymore, he's talking about the commandments of God. He's talking about our spiritual relationship with holy God. He's not saying, hey, you don't show up for work on time, 10 straight days. I mean, take that to your boss. Come in and try this out for the next two weeks. Come in two hours late every day at your place of employment. And when they say, you're fired, say, I'm not under the law. Try that out. See how your theology works. Would you agree? Again, I'm not trying to be silly. I'm just trying to, guys, don't... Our position in Christ is secure in what Christ did. But this call to a gospel life doesn't mean now it's just kind of whatever we want to do. There is a way that we glorify God in the gospel life, even vocationally. I I would go as far as to say that as a Christian, I should be one of the first people there. Not the last person there. I mean, go read Ephesians. Go read Colossians, guys. Are they saying this is based on your salvation, that you can only be saved if you do? No, they're saying because Christ has saved you, now this is the high calling to live out the gospel life. The principle of sowing and reaping is found in the Old Testament. But it's in the New Testament too. Why? Because it's a timeless truth. It's a truth that we all have to live with. But this is where the gospel does make a difference. Now through the gospel, get this, please do not miss this. Now through the gospel, Christ has enabled me to have victory over daily sin. Why? Because Christ defeated sin, death, and the grave. So now as I make choices, guess what? The very Spirit of God, if I'm a Christian, is in me making me desire hoping that I are making me have a heart that longs to be obedient to the things of Christ and empowers me to do that. Have you ever had the experience in your life that through the power of the gospel, the power of the word, and the power of the Holy Spirit, and the power of the victory of Christ over death, sin, death, and grace, that you made a choice wiser than you would have without that. This is the hope of the gospel, guys. That's what Paul's talking about in Romans 6, 7, and 8. That because of Christ, now we have hope even in our daily living. And that's why he can say, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's impossible. But he puts it out there. Why? Because now through Holy Spirit living and, and, and 
living through the equipping of God. Now I can love Carly unlike I've ever loved her before. Philippians 2.13 For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good will and, and his good pleasure. I, I wish that we could say, I, I hate taking isolated verses because we want to look at the whole context there and he's talking about holy living. But look what he says. God is working in you both to will. I don't even have the will to do the right thing. Where does the will to do the right thing come from according to the scripture? God now has enabled me to want to choose life and light over darkness and to work for his good will and his good pleasure. 1 Peter 2.24 He himself, that is Christ himself, bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Let me encourage you this one. If you are a parent here today, a grandparent here, if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and he has saved you by his grace, called you to be his own, adopted you, You are more equipped to lead your children than had that not happened. And for some of you, you might say, well, that's a very, very obvious. But understand the power that God has now given you to have victory in your own life through the work of Christ. Children that are here today, if you have placed your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ, do you know that God has given you through his willing and, and through his work and, and the victory of Christ to, to give you an obedient spirit, even sometimes when you don't want to have that obedient spirit? This is the hope of the gospel, guys. This isn't us just having a bigger, better performance level of ourselves. This is the old Bobby. Here's the new Bobby. I've learned some moral things. No. The very spirit of the living God now lives within me. And now I can have patience when I didn't have patience. I can have peace when I didn't have peace. I can have wisdom when I didn't have wisdom before. This is the hope of the gospel, guys. It's not just that we go to heaven one day. No, it matters now. And it matters in one of the most important and most challenging things that you have ever done in your life. And that is try to take two little humans, three little humans, one little human, and to raise them to know the love of Christ, the beauty of the gospel, and the hope and the encouragement that holy God has a plan for their life. What a gift we give to our kids when we're able to do that. Notice in those verses, he talks about all these things that God is doing for us, but he doesn't eliminate the, this principle of sowing and reaping. It simply shows us how to live this out, this gospel hope in the face of this battle. Parents, our, our children are going to face the reality of this principle. You're going to do it. They're going to face it as much as they face the reality of the law of gravity. The question is, at what age do you want your kids to learn this? Through all these years of counseling, I've seen even good, you know, well-meaning parents that that love Christ. And yet that nature within them to protect their kids from all harm and, you know, and 
kind of cover their choices and their consequences. I, I get that. Who, who wants their kids to suffer? But here's the thing, guys. When we learn that at two and four and six, guess what? We go to bed without dessert. Well, we may lose a friend. We may lose this or that. You, you don't learn that lesson then at 30 and 40. You lose a marriage. You lose a family. Teach them when they're young. Will you do it perfectly? No, you're a sinner. That's why we need, we run to the cross. We run to this gospel and say, God, will you equip me in the same way that we say, help me to love my wife like Christ loves the church because I don't even like her today. And it's only that power of living God, his spirit within you to enable you to do anything and everything to both the will and the ability to carry out the hope of Christ. As we close, let me give a gospel word of warning here. How Moses closes this chapter. Look at verse 19 and 20. Therefore choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him. For he is your life and the length of days that you might dwell in the land of the Lord, swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, and give rule. Well, what is he saying there? The heart of obedience is not about the rules. It's about the ruler. It's not about moral capacity to ace the test. It's about loving Christ and desiring Christ and say, God, I don't even want to do this today, but because I love you and because you've empowered me to do it, you give me a will to do something, the ability to do something that's not even within my nature. Does that make sense? By nature, okay, Allison, can I, can I, you and Andy kind of pick on y'all? Because y'all have three, okay? Is one of the three more naturally, not supernaturally, more naturally a rule follower just because they're a rule follower? Yeah, yeah. Is one of them more naturally, and I noticed that you're not giving names here, and that's good, protect the innocent, Okay. Okay, <laughs> is one of them naturally a rule breaker? You know, why the rule of that line? Boom. You know, that's nature. That's nature. That's our sinful nature. What we want to teach, both the, the rule follower and, and the, the rule breaker, the nature, is that we, this is wisdom from God, and we want to follow God. It's not just about being a rule follower. Some of them are naturally going to do that. Your kids are going to do that naturally more than others. So where there's a component that is lived out every day, a little bit, please know that the truth here, the truth here, teach your kids the love of God, the hope of Christ, the gospel beauty, and teach them this is all about a relationship with God and not just the rules. In one way, that's the easiest thing to kind of comprehend and understand. In another way, it's so hard. Because, give, give this, guys. How many of you, by nature, would take a rule follower, even if it didn't come with loving the ruler? Aren't there days that you just want your kid to be obedient? 
whether they get the message or not, isn't there at least on the surface? That's why I got to, you know, develop tablets. Here, just take the tablet. Occupy yourself. Watch Bluey for a little while. God, will you make it our concern? Will you make it our heart that we don't just develop rule followers, but that you will develop us one that falls in love with the ruler? That they would see in our life a desire to just have communication, to have fellowship, to walk with God, not just trying to walk the straight and narrow. This is important. And on some days, it's all you got. But your aim, your aim is to direct them heavenward so that they, as the Bible said in those verses, will have the will and the power to make the right choice. So let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. Father, there's a part of us that, that so understands this. There's a part of us, Father, that, that so gets this because it's just a timeless and a timely truth, Father. We don't have to go to the heavens. We don't have to go across the seas, Father, to understand this. Thank you that you've made it for simpletons like myself, Father, to, to understand the grass. And, and yet, Father, this truth is one of the scariest truths that comes into the, our lives as parents. Father, I pray that, that we would develop a desperate need for your wisdom, your guidance, your empowerment, your grace as sinners trying to direct other sinners that you've given us the the benefit to, to grow and mature. Father, let them see in us such a passionate love for you that even in those days of great rebellion, great disagreement, that one thing that they would be able to say, yeah, mom and dad are wrong. Mom and dad are not right about this. Oh, they're mean because they, but they love this God that they love. That there would be no denying that the passion of our life, that the hope of our life is the ruler and not just the rules. That we might pass that on to another generation. We love you, Father. We thank you, Father. And oh, do we need your grace in this area. We pray this in the hope that is Jesus Christ our victor, our savior, our redeemer, our Lord, and the one who sent your very spirit to now indwell every believer to empower us to live out the gospel life. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.